Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we talk about leadership, sales, what it means to be a human being, because at the end of the day, it's our mindset determines how well we do. And I'm uh, privileged to have uh, Kevin Trout on the show today. Kevin, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. So, Kevin, you are a Vistage chair, so you get to help leaders become better leaders and help them grow their organizations faster. Faster, easier, with less risk, less stress, and a better work-life balance encompasses everything that we try to do. <laughs> it does. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if anybody ever wrote this down, but I bet you every single leader in history that's been written about said something like this, leadership is excellent if it wasn't for the people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's such a challenging thing to do. <laughs> True. I would agree with that. <laughs> so here's my definition of leadership, and uh, please uh, add to it or challenge it. It's a, a leader's job, let's say in the traditional sense of a company, is number one, have a compelling vision that people go, I take a bullet for that. Mm -hmm. Number two, build a culture where it's not about the individual, it's not about ego. It's like, how do we win? How do I help everybody in my team perform at a higher level, a selfless kind of culture that's driven to succeed. And then the third thing is long-term shareholder value. How do we make this organization more valuable? Any thoughts on that uh, one, two, three uh, formula? No, I agree with you. Um, actually, I look at it uh, very similarly. I, I think uh, the leader's role is to set the vision, which you mentioned. I also think it's their responsibility to come up with the strategy. Um, culture is even more important than strategy. And I think uh, creating the culture that you want, driving it through the organization, the long term is important. We have methods that we we have actually have an eight-step process to create that. Um, and I think culture is more important than anything. Because um, if you don't create the culture intentionally, the one that you want, one will develop anyway, and it's not going to be the one you like. And so I, Absolutely. I, on that eight-step process, uh, if I've got it right, step three in the Vistage model is using a taser. <laughs> Well, not exactly. However, um, I think if you take care of that, then ultimately the leader's responsibility after you take care of those three things is to grow your people and help your people grow personally, professionally, help them become uh, better in the roles that they're in so they can prepare them for upward career mobility. And I think that's an important part of a leader's responsibility as well. Not only that, but making sure that everybody in the organization knows exactly what their role is in terms of contributing to the vision and exactly what their accountability is going to look like. And, and make sure everybody has a role well-defined. Here's my, the other definition of leadership that I kind of use is, so I'll tell you a story first, and I'll get to the definition, is uh, the National Kidney Foundation, the Baltimore chapter, was raising some funds, and the way they did it was rappelling down this 28-story building. 
So they put you in a harness and you rappel down. And when I got to the edge of the building, it's like, holy crap, this is a long way down. <laughs> and then I was wondering, you know, why am I letting these strangers strap me up and let me go down? And then I realized that my trust for the director of the yeah. Baltimore chapter is so strong yeah. that these guys are leveraging the trust I have for her. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is true for a leader. The leader's belief in an individual sometimes is so strong that even though that person doesn't believe they can do it, that they leverage that belief that the leader has and go on the journey and all of a sudden realize that they can accomplish more than they ever thought possible. Thoughts on that comment? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And that's part of when I, I say grow your people, that's part of, that's a key component to doing exactly that. The leader has to act, act sorry, like a coach and a mentor not a micromanager or a perpetual fault finder because people won't stick around for those kind of managers. They've really got to be the coach and mentor and cheerleader and help them grow. And that to me is a, a, a really important part of the leadership. And that, and that's where the trust comes in, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you're, if your people trust you as a leader, they're going to walk through walls for you. And I think trust is such a critically important element, and it's almost a cliche, and it's cliche for a reason. But I think here are the three levels of trust. One is, is to trust in the people around you. Two mm -hmm. is to trust in the processes that you've developed. And number three is to trust in yourself. And sometimes that's the hardest one to do, is yeah. to trust in yourself that, you know, I got this. I agree. I totally agree. You got to have all three. So how do you get that? Because, I mean, hey, I could put this on a poster. It's going to be an amazing poster. People will actually buy it, put it on the walls. But putting it on the wall and reading it ain't the same thing as believing it. So let's talk about how do you get an employee. Well, let's talk about leaders. You work with leaders. Think about mm -hmm. a specific leader that you've been leading for the last little while that you saw something better in them and you had them to actually trust themselves. So don't name the leader, but think of a specific person and go, oh, yeah, this leader this is what was going on, and this is how I help them to really realize what they were capable of. Wow, I have several members where I think that um, I believe in them more than they did originally when they joined my Vistage groups. So pick um, one of them, so we get like a real life. This is what you. This is what they had. This is what you did. Uh, I'll just randomly pick one with regards to uh, ability to sell, since that's what this uh, podcast is all about, right? Yes. Um, uh, believe it or not, it was a marketing firm. And, and yeah, sales and marketing are two different things. Really good marketing firm, handles a niche industries, and um, they do a great job. Been around for 10 years, more than 10 years, uh, a little bit more than 10 years. And the, the, the issue with the, with the owner, the leader, my Vistage group was he hates to sell. He just doesn't like the sales uh, process. So mm -hmm. this company wasn't growing. Um, but I, 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 I had to redefine what sales really means for them. And I had to get them to understand that you're helping people. And when, you, when you're making your sales calls, it's not about pitching a contract. It's about resolving pain that they have or resolving challenges that they're faced with and letting them know we can help you. This is how we can help you. Um, I would tell you that it took a, a little bit over a year, um, but he came around to understanding the nuances of selling to the point where, look, you know, shame on you if people don't know what, if, if your types of customers you want to work with don't know about what you can do. 
you know, that's, they should know. And you actually have an obligation to, to inform them whether they choose to use you or not. That's their decision. But if they don't even know about what you do, shame on you, right? And yeah. so I think I opened his eyes to, well, maybe I should be talking to more people. Maybe I should be, right? And then we worked through some of the nuances of what selling the sales concept looks like. There's a five-step process to the sales process. And the out of the five steps, the two steps that I see most salespeople struggle with is asking investigative questions and then closing the deal. And those were his two weakest links as well. So working through that um, and helping him understand how to ask very good questions that would lead to his ability to solve their problems and then closing the deal, which is nothing more than agreeing to take the next step. Um, He he was missing on both of those. So I will tell you this, end result, um, his sales have been flat for almost 10 years. He is... And the first year that we worked through the sales, his, his sales grew 25%. And here this year, he's on track to grow 35%, almost 38%. And he will tell you that it's the fact that his Vistage membership and the coaching and mentoring, not just for me, but from the other Vistage members, has made all the difference in the world for him. Brilliant. So one of the things that, you know, human beings are meaning-making machines. If something happens that has a lot of emotions around it, either positive emotions or negative emotions, we uh, are hot-wired to make meaning out of it. And oftentimes that meaning that we make ends up becoming a belief that defines us. And it sounds like the meaning he had made around sales was not supporting him. And what you ended up doing was actually showing him that, no, you're here. You're not trying to bamboozle anybody or convince anybody is you're getting them to actually get a realization on a problem they have and that he might be able to solve. And I think if you can change the meaning around the things that we do to be a more positive one, we end up executing that at a much higher level. I totally agree. He had some very big self-limiting beliefs, (laughs) or as we like to say, head trash um, around sales. But once I get him to understand it, look, you're you're there to be a resource to them because you can and you, you can solve their problems. You can help them in ways that they're not currently getting that type of help. You're just offering your, your services as a resource. You're not trying to sell them a used car, right? You know, the old yeah, analogy. So, so, Kevin, I'm going to tell you, uh, I don't often talk about this, uh, where I'm a genius, are you ready? Mm-hmm. I used to, uh, for a little while, I was doing tech support for Hewlett Packard, and some phone calls went like this, where I would just uh, get them to ask them some questions like, what's going on? And then as the person's kind of trying to tell me what's going on, all of a sudden they go, oh, and they solve their own problem. I never solved anything, <laughs> but they got their own epiphany, and they thought I was the genius. And I think you know, a lot of times when we're on a sales call is just getting people to talk about what's going on for them. If we can give them one epiphany, mm-hmm. uh, then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I want to work with you. So you don't have to be like, uh, I'm going to use this this phrase, and this phrase is going to be the magical phrase. It's like connecting with human beings, attending to them, and helping them get an insight. And if you can do that, you had value to the conversation, and they want to work with you. Wow. Sounds like the way I used to sell, the way I still sell. Ask the right questions and let them do the talking. Right. Short, shortest, course, shortest course on selling is only four words. Ask questions and listen. They'll sell Absolutely. themselves. 
(laughs) Yes, absolutely. So Kevin, as you've been a Vistage chair for a while and you've been working with a bunch of leaders, oftentimes when you're uh, helping your charges, explaining something, you get insights yourself and you get learnings yourselves. Uh, So what are two or three lessons that you've learned while you've been teaching going, holy crap, (laughs) that's really important. So what insights have you gotten? Wow. Um, I would, a couple things. Uh, I think I realized what it takes to be a, what are the four uh, attributes of a really good leader? I also figured out what are the four stages of growth for any business? Nice. Um, those are the two things that popped on top of my mind. I think my definition of um, the four things that great leaders, number one is continuous learner. They've got to yes. be a continuous learner. If they think they know everything there is to know, oh, you don't want to work for that guy. Um, I think number two is their ability to execute, right? Execution ability is really important. The third thing is they've got to have some real leadership skills. Um, as we defined earlier, that's what, what I mean by leadership. And then the fourth thing is there's got to be some subject matter expertise. You've got to have experience in whatever industry you're in. And I think that those four things to me, define the best leaders out there. So I also think that I learned about the four stages of growth. And I went through them myself when I had my own company, a medical equipment distribution company. Mm-hmm. I went through all four stages. I think my, my analogy is dr- it's like driving a manual transmission car. You know, Some of us are old enough, we took our driver's test on a manual transmission, right? Right. First gear, um, a lot of chaos, owner wears all the hats, only goal is to get some clients and get some revenue in the door. Not go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get some momentum moving forward. And at some point, you push in the clutch, you start to hire. In second gear, you start to hire some help. You get a bookkeeper or an office admin. You get maybe you hire a couple of salespeople, right? Um, and so now you're in the beginning of second gear, and you're continuing to pick up momentum. But at some point, you've got enough people that if you pass the eight or nine employees and everybody's reporting to the owner, you can't really manage that many direct reports. And I've seen business owners, entrepreneurs, they'll have 20, 25 people reporting directly to them. And that's, that's like the tachometers in the red zone. You're going to be burning up the engine. And the engine is the owner. They're working 60, 70 hours yes. a week, and they're making all the decisions, and everybody reports to them. Um, this is the key part is pushing in the clutch and moving into third gear. That's when they've got to uh, bring in some leadership outside uh, experts that are are leaders that can run the individual departments, right? Because the departments become silos without good leadership. And I think that they've got to bring in a a team of leaders to be maybe in charge of operations, somebody in charge of sales, somebody in charge of finance, and um, let them build out those departments individually while the owner oversees the leadership team, which is a much smaller direct report size. And yeah, when you go from second gear to third gear, your profits are going to drop because you're making an investment of, of more expensive leaders, but it's well worth it because once you get to pushing in a clutch and shifting into fourth gear, this is when um, the owner gets to step out of the day-to-day activity. He's strictly involved in the strategy and vision of the company, um, and he's working 35 hours a week instead of 70, and the profits come back exponentially greater than they were in second gear. Um, What I do see is that a lot of entrepreneurs, they want to make all the decisions, so they get stuck in second gear. 
and they're working 70 hours a week. They're making all the decisions. They got 20, 25 people reporting to them. Um, that's not sustainable long term. But they don't want to shift into third gear because they know that's going to cost them some of their profits. And they're, and they're real happy with the profits. But it's so costing them. And absolutely. So can, and sometimes uh, that's, uh, that's exactly what's going on. And at other times, they've got a belief that if you want it done right, you need to do it yourself. Yeah, or they've got a, a trust issue. <laughs> so they want to kind of do that. And that's uh, kind of the work I do is very much going in and figuring out what belief is driving that behavior. And let's change that belief. Uh, I've been uh, working on a program for about three years where it's like resolve one issue in one month, guaranteed. And it's designed to get people unstuck so they can actually work with their coaches and go get done what needs doing. But that mindset stuff is is always uh, those four inches between your ears are the uh, most challenging <laughs> and the most amazing. Oh, definitely true. I would. You asked me about what did I learn. I would tell you that I lived through all four stages during the time that I started my company from scratch and built it up and sold it off. And having lived through it and really experienced all the nuances of each of those phases, I'm more convinced now than ever that every business needs to go through all four stages and they shouldn't get stuck in second gear and because that's when the owner becomes a bottleneck to the company's growth. And I really work hard to help the Vistage members and my groups to understand you got to follow this because if you don't push in, knowing when to push in the clutch is more important than anything on that, in that whole analogy. And so helping them know when to push in the clutch and which gear they need to be in at what point in time. Uh, to me, I think it's really solved a lot of their, um, a lot of their dilemmas in terms of the mindset, head trash, things like that. Um, get out Brilliant. of their own way. I was uh, chatting with uh, somebody yesterday on a podcast. Uh, this gentleman was uh, working full time, decided to become a realtor. And because he wanted to uh, you know, do well in his first year, he hired some admin people right out of the gate, which is like weird because most of the time you do what you do for two, three years and struggle. Yeah. And so uh, he's been in the business for 10 years and this year he will be doing 530 transactions this year by himself. Wow. And he's got a team of like seven people underneath him. So not realtors, just admin staff and people like that. And which is pretty breathtaking and amazing. And he had set his goal to be the number one realtor in the country. But through circumstances, he was forced to hire people right up front. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I've heard is you need to hire people to help you grow the business. And the faster you hire, the faster you grow. And what you're talking about is the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So Kevin, uh, tell me about a mind hack that you use or you recommend your Vistage uh, clients use that allows them to be more efficient, be happier or more successful. What's a little mental trick that you uh, have up your sleeve? Hmm. I truly believe everything is fixable and you just have to figure out, diagnose what's getting in the way, what's, what's the challenge and then work through what, what's the solution, what are the options in terms of solutions. And that's one of the things that we do in our Vistage groups is we solve the biggest challenges and the toughest decisions in a peer advisory format. And, and for me, when we identify something that's a roadblock or, or whatever, I might give my my uh, two cents worth in terms of if I went through it myself during the time I own my business, mm -hmm. I'll share what I went through. But you don't just want my advice. You want the group's advice. You're sitting in a room with 15 other really smart people. You want all of their perspective on the challenges as well. We all have blind spots. There's no denying that. Yes. We all do. And what the Vistage process does is it helps us reveal those blind spots 
and help work through the nuances to those difficult decisions. Everything's fixable. It's just how, what's the right way to fix it and how's the right way to execute that fix. Um, and I think that's what we do. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's... It, it does, actually. It does. And because uh, it goes back to beliefs. And one of the beliefs in your world is everything's fixable, which is a great belief to have. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation. I can't believe 20 minutes have just slipped by in a matter of moments. <laughs> yeah, that was very quick. But thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 